Hello and welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Brown, and thank you so much for joining me as we continue to explore the fields of sound therapy, sound healing, and using sound for health and wellness. Today, my guest is Katie Down. Katie is both a music therapist and a sound healing practitioner. She's an educator, performer, and composer. And we have a wide-ranging conversation from acoustic ecology, soundscapes and sound walks, to mindfulness and music, her compositions and improvisations, as well as her experience and background in music therapy and deep listening, sound healing, facilitating meditations. And of course, we do address that big question of what is the difference and similarities between music therapy and sound healing? We also have a discussion about managing uh, with the sound work during these COVID-19 times. This episode is sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. The Ohm Shop offers a vast array of sound healing and vibrational medicine tools. Their showroom is the largest in the country as far as quartz crystal singing bowls, sound healing instruments, and vibrational medicine tools. You can visit them online as well, theohmshop.com, to check out their products, as well as their online learning center, blog, and they offer beautiful sound healing journeys as well. So check them out online, and thank you so much for their support of this podcast. Please enjoy this episode with Katie Down. I think a great place uh, to start because, you know, I've, I kind of looked at your, your resume and your websites and it's just really an amazing, um, I guess, holistic approach to looking at, at sound and music therapeutically and, and just all your, all the things you've done and, and, uh, and learned. I think it would be nice to go back and, look at how maybe your musical childhood and uh, I don't know the order of how things happened for you whether it was really music first and then therapy and then mindfulness but if you could kind of walk us through your background and uh, how things developed for you I think that would be really interesting (laughs) okay sure I'll try to try to be brief um so as as a kid um I I started playing the flute. That was my first instrument. And um, just really randomly and haphazardly, not not by choice, it was sort of, you're going to be in the orchestra, pick an instrument kind of thing. And um, so it became the flute and I was, um, and I took to music. So um, it was shortly after, you know, I realized that music was going to be an integral part of my life and that I would pursue being a musician. Um, which happened pretty quickly. Like within, by the time I was in high school, I I knew that that was going to be the track, and um, and then I became very interested in improvisation and other instruments right away. So I I taught myself guitar, and then I sort of tinkered on the piano, um, and then when I went to college, you know, started to really dive into into writing stuff like that. Um, and music was always a big part of my growing up. You know, we had lots of um, 
tons of albums and records, you know, back in the day, um, tapes, records, <laughs> pre-CD. And, um, and so there was a lot of listening to music. And um, both my parents were quite musical, although not musicians. Um, but artists, my father uh, is a painter and my mother, she passed away, but she was a theater director, which then led me into diving into the world of theater a tiny bit um, as well. So from from undergrad into grad school for composition, um, I, I sort of had a bit of a, a crisis um, after going to kind of elitist schools. For music, I thought, what am I, you know, what is this doing for the world and, you know, what am I doing and why? You know, one of those existential moments. So I started to volunteer for an NGO um, at my last year of grad school. Um, and this, this this NGO was specific. I wasn't working. I was volunteering for them. Um, it I did concert promotion and um, did fundraising events for them as a way to get involved during the Bosnian War. And during that time, there was, um, in the office, I saw a book called Letters from Sarajevo, um, which was a compilation of letters by the UN correspondent Anna Cataldi. And this is pre-Dayton Peace Accords. And so I took the book out of interest and read through it. And it's, it was so moving that I thought this should be a piece of theater. Um, and I'd like to make it a piece of theater to raise awareness about what was going on in the Balkans at that time. And um, so I approached a theater company and we co-produced this play, which got me into doing theater music. And the reason why I'm kind of giving you that sort of kind of a circuitous route to, to where how I became a music therapist is that, um, you know, through through that, through the lens of doing um doing something for the, for the purpose of something else, right? So making a piece of theater in order to raise awareness and in order to raise funds for bringing medical supplies to these besieged areas um, in in Bosnia. Um, it, it took me into the track of doing other, other kinds of work, um, working with schools um, and hospitals. So after I, after we did that play, I got, um, I was, very much part of that theater company and we did a bunch of other a bunch of other shows um, and I loved being in the theater and I loved doing live music and live sound and I got very much into sound design and uh, actually became a theatrical sound designer and moved to New York and um, worked as a freelance designer in the city here and um and also worked as a teaching artist and worked with very troubled uh, schools. Schools were, you know, in very tough neighborhoods. Um, and I did that for many years. And I was a project manager for a while for um, for an organization that did that worked with with these schools and brought in arts programming. So I, you know, there was sort of this this twofold, um, I guess path um of of being in the theater still very very much so at this point in new york but also wanting to work um you know with the under with underserved populations or or people and who are in compromised in some way 
Um, so arts and education was a, a good big part of that. And um, I did a lot of sound design stuff with the kids and did tons and tons of sound walks, tons of recording environmental sounds, which brought me into uh, an awareness of acoustic ecology and sound mapping. And then brought me into Pauline Oliveros' work of deep listening. So it's all like just, you know, it's get this spider web of mm-hmm. trajectory of of leading towards going into sound specifically, which is what why we're talking. Um, and so uh, fast forward a bunch of years and I decided to um, become a music therapist, um, which just focused my energies into specifically working with um, with underserved populations or populations that were in need of something. And I was very interested in working with refugees. So I went back to school, got a second master's degree um, in music therapy and actually never worked with refugees. Actually, So it's, it's interesting. Did a lot of volunteer stuff, but never, never really brought my music therapy in that. Although I've done tons of international work, but not with refugees specifically. Mm-hmm. And um, I was a sound designer while all through grad school. Um, and so my interest in sound, music and sound, not that there's a real big difference um, in my opinion, but there's just how sound affects us psychologically, emotionally, how we interact with sound, how we dialogue with sound um, and not just made, not made sounds by humans, but, but you know what's whatever is in our immediate environment and to um, engage with that in a proactive and mindful way so that's what brought me into bringing sound into a more meditative practice so it's meditating most of my life since high school and um, the the work of Pauline Oliveros um, had a pretty big impact on me in terms of the way um, I engage in, in listening. So um, her deep listening practice um, is pretty um, fundamental to how I'm working now. And and it, it informed the way I designed for theater and film and dance and, um, and still does to this day. So it, now here we are. I'm a music therapist now for about 10 years in private practice and um, still compose, still improvise quite a lot, pretty active as a musician and composer. And um, and now doing sound meditations also for the past 10 years or so here in the city and some, sometimes abroad and sometimes in California. Um, and it's a, it's been a really interesting journey. So that's where that's that's sort of the it's kind of long winded, but it's and it's a very windy road to. You know, but I think that's the case for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get where we are in this moment? <laughs> well, many many paths. That's you know. right. Yeah, it's never a straight line. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, let's unpack some of those things. I mean, you know, some of the the main topics you mentioned are deep listening. Um, acoustic ecology or soundscape, sound walking, um, of course, your your music therapy and sound healing work. Maybe let's start with one of the, the earlier things you mentioned that maybe some people aren't aware of uh, is soundscapes or sound walks. And I bet that influences your music as well. You're a musician. So could you talk a little bit about 
that and acoustic um, ecology and, and how that's influenced your work sure. and your music. Sure. So the acoustic ecologists, um, for the most part, are, I think are really from Canada. Uh, that's where Armory Schaefer and a lot of people came from Canada. Um, but they're also, it's all, all around North America. And then now it's worldwide. There's a whole movement. And the idea of acoustic ecology is to be, be aware of our soundscape in the present and really collect and understand and, and preserve, um, you know, what sounds are, are important, I guess, to us to some degree, although that's really relative. But if we look at the way, um, you know, cities evolve or suburbs evolve or even the countryside evolves over time, you, um, you'll notice that, you know, right now, from an acoustic ecological standpoint, because there are fewer um, businesses open, fewer people on the street, fewer cars, people have remarked that they're actually hearing more bird song. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's better or worse, good or bad. It's just it's just true, right? We're just hearing more birds, more diversity of birds. We're noticing more. Um, so that is that is a phenomenon of acoustic ecology because of a shift in or, you know, a pretty dramatic shift and change in the environment. We are, you know, humans are part of the environment. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a reaction. There's a response to it. Mm-hmm. Um, sound mapping. And this is, a, you know, this is like, it's a deep study. I mean, it, you know, it requires a very long answer, which I, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to get too involved. Right. But there's, if people are interested in the study of acoustic ecology, it's really great. It gets pretty nerdy. You know, we acoustic ecologists, we have hundreds of thousands and probably thousands of hours of recorded sound. Um, so uh, through my travels, I, I took some pictures, but I have, I have like just thousands of hours of collected sound from the travels. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking at um, the piazza, you know, in, in Siena, it, I have a lot of different recordings of the piazza in Siena at different times of day and different times of year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and that brings you into a state of mind or a state of being, just listening to those sounds rather than looking. And of course, I love pictures and all that stuff too, but it's a different way of engaging in our space. Mm-hmm. And um, so sound sound mapping is one of those things. A sound, a sound walk is a walking meditation, usually quite slow, although it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, but it's usually a pretty slow, mindful walk that can be by yourself or you can be in a group with a leader. Um, I do sound walks that entail uh, partnering up and actually blindfolding one of the people. So um, you have two people walking. One person is a, a meditation mask, a lightweight um, what we call mind. They're called mindfolds. And so your eyes are open, but you have total darkness because there's a little eye sockets there. They're kind of fun. And they're meditation masks. And um, the, the purpose of that is to engage in, in the listening experience through touch, through um, a sensory awareness, through movement, through breath, through smell, through all of the other senses. So we're taking away sight and heightening all the other senses as listening mechanisms 
It's really fun. It's one of my more favorite things to do. I've done it all over the world. Um, and it is a, it's a sound bath. I consider those sound walks or any sound walk a kind of sound bath, actually, because it's a deep listening, meditative experience, full immersion in sound, whatever the sound is. That sound could be the ocean, a forest, or it could be Times Square. You know, it could be an office building, a school. It doesn't matter. It's all incredibly, incredibly interesting when we really start to engage with whatever is happening in in our physical world and to engage in that sense of play. So playing the lamppost or playing the park bench or playing a piece of paper, just like touching it, rubbing it, crinkling it up, like all of the possibilities that a paper um, has for, for sound making. And so that's, that's a little bit about, that's some of what I do in my sound walks. They're really fun. That's great. Yeah. And I can't I, wait to do them again right, in real life. Right. <laughs> that was a great description, though. I mean, um, of the photography, it's, we're such a visual society that, you know, what you're really doing is then relying on what does a place sound like rather than what does it look like? And yeah. And um, a yeah. really great book for, for those that are more interested in that, um, of course, by R. Murray Schaefer. I believe it's called Soundscapes, yeah. Exploring the Sonic Environment, and his great work he did through um, the Vancouver Soundscape Project. Really beautiful, exactly. fascinating book. So um, yep. I encourage people to look into that. Now, would you compare that um, to deep listening practices? I mean, that is a type of deep listening practices, but... What else um, would you encourage people to do to kind of uh, gain more sensitivities to to listening to that sense? I don't know. I mean, I think slowing down and just note, like paying attention and noticing um, that's there's no right or wrong way to listen. So, um, and there's so many amazingly fun and engaging ways to listen. Um, You know, there are all kinds of different ways. You could plug your ears and listen that way, right? So actually take take away some of that and begin to listen. Um, You know, paying attention directionally. One meditation is um, just paying attention to what's in front of you really breathing into the sounds that are in front of you, closing your eyes and finding all the nuances. Um, And then, you know, to the left and then to your right, behind you, above you, below you. So all, all directions and really spend a couple of minutes really being with those sounds and finding out like how far away are they? What is the timbre, the texture, the quality? Um, How does it, make my body feel. So that's a somatic observation. How does it, do I have an emotional reaction? So that's an emotional observation. Um, What is it just out of like a fact? It's a passing car. That's like a non-judgmental observation. It's just fact, car passing, boom. Um, You know, there's many ways that we can observe and engage in listening you know, just in that trajectory, you know, factual sound, how's my body reacting? How am I emotionally responding to it? What's it reminding me of? 
you know, how do I want to engage with it? Do I want to play with that sound? You know, and just, you could go on and on and on with just the very simple act of listening. Um, so that's, it's, it's, meditation can be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. Deep listening is fun. I, I find it fun. So, you know, and, and Pauline's work is, you know, vast and, and, and the acoustic ecologists are, are engaging, you know, they might not call it necessarily deep listening, but it certainly has, it's the same kind of thing. So really engaging in mindful awareness of our sonic, um, our sonic arena, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. let's look at now. What's really interesting is usually, um, someone is either a music therapist or a sound healing practitioner and of course, you have experience in both, and you do training programs in both. Could you relate and compare those those two fields for us? That you know, they to me, I mean, they're truly connected. I mean, why why do they have to be different? But they are. I mean, and they have their own regulations and their their own trainings. And I'm just curious about your thoughts about those those two worlds. Yeah. I've been asked that question quite a bit. I've been asked to write about it. Um, and I'm in the process of writing something about it now, um, for a journal, but, um, I have given it a bit of thought and it's, um, it's an interesting thing. And I, I do agree with you, Natalie, that there really isn't like sort of from a fundamental standpoint, you know, what, why make the distinction? If the, if the goal is you have um, a healing outcome, but then it's it's much much more complex than that, because then we are asking ourselves, what does healing mean, and what is healing? Um, therapy isn't necessarily healing, um, but it's part of healing. It's a healing. It's in the healing arts. So as a psychotherapist, we there are many layers to psychotherapy, right? And um, so as music therapists in New York, we're trained to be psychotherapists, we're licensed. So we have to do, you know, know, 2,000 hours. We have to pass difficult board exams and tests. Um, We have to go to grad school, (laughs) Mm-hmm. We have to do we have to do internships and then field work and then we have to do, do our hours um, to accrue those hours for licensure and for board certification and then after all of that we have to continue with um, continuing education for the rest of our careers to keep up to keep up the license and the board certification so you we can't. Once you have your license and your board, your boards, you then you have every five years you have to mm-hmm. submit paperwork to prove that you're continuing to develop in your field. It's kind of like a, a teaching license, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's in like that, any it's, a, it's like any license. Yeah. It's any li- any licensed profession has those criteria. Right. So um, so that is one pretty profound difference between a music therapist and a sound healer. Um, I have, I would love to see sound healing move in that direction. And, um, although it makes it really hard <laughs> for people, it's like, I don't want to go to back, back to school and I don't want to have to do all of that stuff. I was like, I understand. 
And at the same time, if we are to hold ourselves at the highest standard possible, if we're working with other people who are in pain, who are unpacking difficult material, it's important that we have um, some understood um, kind of best practices that we can kind of, as, as people in this field, agree upon. We may not agree on everything, but that there's a something that we can kind of say, yes, this is, this seems ethical. This seems like this is for the highest and greatest good. It, but it gets complicated. It's a really loaded question. Um, from, from a healing standpoint, you know, because I, I live in both of those worlds, they inform each other greatly. And um, I have clients who come to me for, um, for music therapy. I have clients that come to me for psychotherapy and trauma. I am a trauma-informed psychotherapist with certifications in EMDR, and, which is you can only get if you have a license. So, you know, there are things like that. Um, but I do a lot of energy work. I, I'm a Reiki practitioner, you know, and I deeply and firmly believe in the power of Reiki. Um, somebody might want that. Who's coming to me for, for psychotherapy? And um, they'll say, you know, I really would love a Reiki session um, today. Okay. Whatever feels like the most beneficial for you. It's very rare that my that a client that comes to me specifically for one thing crosses over into the next. But a lot of clients who come to me first see my background and they're like, yes, I'm interested. I like the fact that you have that you do both. But they may not I may never, you know, cross over if that makes any sense. So I have some some sound specific sound clients. I'm not gonna do psychotherapy with them or start unpacking trauma unless they unless it's really something that they feel like they need to. And then we kind of compartmentalize because trauma work is about boundaries and it's about keeping the client safe and keeping a healthy boundary. When we're traumatized, we've a boundary has been crossed, the boundary's been been compromised. So it's about restoring that sense of safety in the client. And I think you would know, and I know that a lot of sound work can be very deeply um, journeying mm-hmm. <laughs> and almost, I don't like to use the word shamanic too much because I'm not a shaman, but there's a shamanic aspect to it. Right. A, a lot of deep meditation and a lot of deep sound work can, um, can really promote that kind of traveling. And that is not perhaps the best idea for someone who is very dysregulated. So that's where I'm going into the, can we as sound practitioners find a way to be able to assess and hold space for and keep safe the clients that come into our, into our healing spaces, whether it's an office or a center or, you know, your house, whatever, wherever it is that you're, um, or you're offering, um, your practice. Mm -hmm. So these are, these are questions. I don't have the answers for it. I just, it's, 
it's I'd love to talk with a lot of people about this question. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of music therapists who are very, very interested in sound and sound quote healing work mm-hmm. right, or sound work. And I've done trainings um, with licensed clinicians who are who incorporate sound in their work. Um, there's psychiatrists, social workers, um, and a bunch of LCATs, like licensed creative arts therapists, who are art therapists, dance therapists, and music therapists, all of whom are interested in incorporating sound work in their clinical practice. And um, so those are people who are doing the kind of the crossover. But the really the big question that you're asking is about the difference between music therapy and sound work. It just, you know, there are very clear differences and then there are some that it's just, it's sound, sound is music. And, you know, so, you know, how do we make that differential? Um, but the other, I guess, more obvious one, um, sort of more, you know, traditional music therapy is very interactive. And sound work can be quite passive, although it doesn't have to be. Um, but somebody is often receiving sound, um, and then they might there might be talking before or after, like bookending the session, uh, a bit of a check-in. Um, and whereas a music therapy session is often quite interactive, um, but it doesn't always have to be. And that's the interesting thing that that that. Music therapy can be a passive receiving place. Like if you're music therapist to go to hospice, you know, palliative care, in, um, music therapy in the NICU, that's, that is fully and completely receptive music therapy. It's not interactive except on an energetic, you know, from an energetic standpoint. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think it's, it's basically not an easy answer. No, it's, <laughs> it's not, not an easy That's question. why I asked it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it sounds, I mean, like that's really what you're doing at, uh, I believe it's called Soundwell Creative Arts Therapy, is that your your That's your my business, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're integrating psychotherapy with these healing practices as well and mindfulness and offering tools that, are unique to the individual's needs and just being able to offer both sides, both, both the, the more therapeutic and psychotherapy as well as practices that they can be provided with to, to work on their own. Is, is what Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think that some of these, some of the sounds in, in sound, in sound work, you know, it's very drone based. Um, you know, so a lot of drone-based instruments, um, and that is, um, you know, the, like one of the fundamental aspects of, you know, sound baths, for instance, are drone-based instruments, instruments that have a continual sound. The bowls, the gongs, the shrieky boxes, the tuning forks, everything is like very resonant and very drone-based, and um and there's a containment and grounding aspect of the drone, of the musical drone. Um, and so if we look at it from a therapeutic standpoint or a psychotherapeutic standpoint, like why do we want to ground our clients? Why do we want to have them feel safe and, and have a good boundary, right? So the drone really begets that. The drone can really facilitate that quite quickly. So one could start 
a psychotherapeutic session with a singing bowl just to clear space and hold space and create sonic containment right away in order for traumatic material to be processed. So you could even, you know, just incorporate that's, that's where maybe that crossover could, that's an example. Mm -hmm. I have, um, I have a sound chair that the the chair is, um, you know, it's a harp Mm -hmm. and the, 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 the back is a resonating board. So my clients will sit in the chair and sometimes they'll say, Oh yeah, I just want to start with the chair first before we go into, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, whatever it is that they're coming to me for. So that's a wonderful way to, deeply listen right away they can feel the sound it really gets the energy moving they'll feel you know almost safe especially if somebody's having a dissociative response mm-hmm. it gets right back into the body right and that's the key that we want it you know we want that body mind connection always to be at the forefront so so this is you know the 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 tools that we're using in sound healing can very effectively be incorporated in in clinical work. Um, I think it's just a matter of like knowing what you're doing and and being in a place of discovery and curiosity and um, in like not and also knowing that we don't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> so just constantly questioning and asking and researching and you know mm-hmm. and and learning. So yeah. I'm curious, as both an academic and a creative, what are you really curious about right now, both with research and uh, artistically? Uh, well, I'm not. I it's a good question. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, right now, given the current climate that we're in, I'm I'm really interested in how the arts um, can step up as an agent for social change. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how we as people in the healing arts can um, create a little bit more equanimity and balance. Um, you know, it's it can be a bit of an elitist practice, um, a lot of healing arts. I'm really interested in unpacking that and making sure that it is successful, not only as receivers, but practitioners, you know, um, I, I, I'm really curious about that. Um, how are we as humans going to move forward and engage responsibly, proactively, um, and respond in, um, you know, in a, in a connected way, um, moving forward and, and kind of changing the way health and healthcare, mm-hmm. um, is, is, um, how, how it's accessible. Um, so that's been of interest. This particular situation that we're in with this pandemic and everything being, on, being online, of course, all my sound meditations and sound baths are online. And so I decided, I mean, I did, I've done it, I did it right away. Um, before I even kind of was like, oh my goodness, let's do this. And luckily I had pretty good mics at home and things like that. I kind of, and they did a lot of research with musicians and composers and performers who were looking at ways to do sound that still kept the integrity of the sound. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was, I spent a lot of time kind of working on that and with a lot of help with a lot of wonderful colleagues. 
And um, so I've started doing sound baths like almost two months ago now online. And normally the sound baths that I do are kind of expensive, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's just sort of like this is the rate. This is the kind of agreed upon going rate. And so um, I, I said right away, like, let's make, the, make it pay what you can. You know, suggest, suggested donation, pay what you can. And, of course, I've lost a bunch of money from that decision. And yeah. I'm not going to undecide that mm-hmm. because a lot of, we've gotten a lot of feedback saying, thank you so much. I've never been able to afford a sound bath before, and now mm-hmm. I can. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is just, it's, it's everything. And, and if, if we ever get out of this, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm assuming we will. You know, it's really an important, it's, it's such an important factor. You know, it's really an important thing. And um, I don't want to be part of the part of the ongoing paradigm of, um, you know, of keeping people away because they can't afford it. So how do how do we think that? How do we make a living? Right. It's wonderful to make a living. You know, as a as a therapist, I do sliding scale. I always have. I also take insurance. Right. So, you know, it's. It's accessible to people to to a degree, and my sliding scale is you know, you know not it's still not that cheap, but um, but I have one. Not everybody does. Some therapists just this is their rate and that's how they roll, and they do extremely well <laughs> financially. But I'm curious about like where are we going from this point forward? How is this going to change our paradigm of thought? How is this going to move us into the next phase? Um, so that healing is accessible to literally every single person on the planet, and it's a question, you know. I don't, I don't know, but that is that is one thing that has come to the fore um, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm also, you know, I'm really um, hoping <laughs> that that listening becomes more of an integrated practice for us as humans um being that everyone's aware of things we're super aware of all the sirens in the city we're super aware of all the birds that have come up it's our sonic landscape has shifted Mm -hmm. it is constantly shifting and what is that how is that informing us right you know can we take that awareness and move it into something proactive so that's 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 not an academic interest per se. It's more of a mm-hmm. sociological interest. Um, so yeah. Why do yeah. you think listening is so important? What in in your vision? What what could that shift for people if listening was as important as what things they were watching or or visualizing? I, I just think that when we when we look at things, we look at things, um, and it's very hard to to look at something without being being discerning, um, because we label things. I'm looking at like, oh, this is a lamp. This is a lamp that you know looks a certain way, and but if I'm if I close my eyes, and I certainly can't listen to the lamp, but if I <laughs> if I close my eyes and just touch the lamp. And then listen to the, my, I'm doing it right now as I speak to you, I'm touching the lamp and it's, it's, it's kind of like this lovely beveled glass 
and um, it's dusty (laughs) (laughs) and I'm, and I'm breathing with it and my fingertips are being um, stimulated, right? So all the meridians are, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of physiological stuff going on right now. It's super interesting, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just touching the lamp. So I'm having another kind of experience of, of the lamp and its lampness. And I think that that if we can look at listening or the way in which we're engaging in the world um, as another way of perceiving things, it might help us. It might, you know, it might create a little bit more equanimity in the world because I, I do think that it's so easy for us to be judgmental. Part of it is because it's very it keeps us feeling safe mm-hmm. when we're judgmental. So our sympathetic nervous system engages and says, that's bad, right? I don't like it. It's bad. So I'm not going to, so I'm going to stay away from it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or it's scary or it's dangerous or right. So it's, it's a thing that I have judgment on and my sympathetic nervous system responds to it because it doesn't make me feel safe or, or I'm scared of it. Um, and that's important when there's real danger mm-hmm. um, and and there's not a lot of room for curiosity as to why the tiger is chasing me. <laughs> you know, it's just not really that, in, that's not that interesting mm-hmm. at the moment, right? It's just get away mm-hmm. so that it doesn't eat me. Then we can later, you know, over a nice hot cup of cocoa, <laughs> wonder why was it chasing me? Yeah. <laughs> Once our parasympathetic nervous system can kind of come back and, we feel okay mm-hmm. and we're feeling safe. Mm-hmm. And so curious, but I think curiosity is, is one of the key components to healing. Um, I've called something when I teach, I call it the three C's of mindfulness and music, which is creativity, curiosity, and compassion. Mm. And I've, I've taught a, a, a course on this. So there's an online ongoing course through uh, um, a music therapy academy for music therapists out there. Um, and so, and one of the things that the students have to, or have to, but are asked to um, think about are the three C's of mindfulness and music. So those three C's I'm calling compassion, creativity, and curiosity, not necessarily in any particular order. Um, but I think that when we have those three things um, as artists, it makes the engagement uh, more full or, you know, a richer experience when we have, we have those three C's and as, as somebody in the healing arts, you know, when, when is creativity in the session? When is compassion in the session? When is curiosity in the session? And hopefully they're always there, but sometimes one, is a little bit more prevalent than the other. But I think curiosity is that one that really is, a, it's so important because we're, we can get very stuck mm-hmm. in our own dogma, in our own sense of what, what's right or wrong, good or bad. And those labels are useless. They're mm-hmm. meaningless. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're useful in times of danger. Right. They, they help us navigate the world, but they can get in the way. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious, um, during this time, are you able to still meet with clients online or are you pretty much at a, a standstill uh, with events and, and clients and 
are having some extra time that you're able to be more creative with or or maybe there's kind of Mm. something coming coming up that you don't usually have time for yeah um I am seeing all of my clients online Mm -hmm. through zoom yeah um and I have a full client load at the moment um I've actually gained a few clients since this happened um and you know, most of them have insurance or are able to get them reimbursed from their insurance company. Thank goodness. A couple are out of pocket, but very few actually. So that's a good thing. And it makes it a little harder for me because I'm billing. But it's just what it is. But it's it's a real. I'm so I was about to get off my insurance panel, and then this happened. I was like, oh my god, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So I have a pretty full client load at the moment, and um, I'm taking. You know, maybe I, I would take one or two more clients at this point. Um, but yeah, it's pretty full. And then I'm doing sound baths every week mm-hmm. uh, through Maha Rose. Um, I did a restorative yoga and sound um, workshop with a friend of mine through um, a yoga studio here in Brooklyn called Jaya Yoga. Um, and we're, we're doing another one at the end of the month. So there, you know, there's plenty of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've been jamming with my bandmates which has been really fun mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's been Zoom? really interesting how, how does that go through technology well it's been i don't know if you've tried this um so it, it well like, when you're when you're getting into a, it's hard to kind of lock into a groove yeah. because there's a bit of latency with zoom so um so that part is you know hard and like singing harmonies you, you can't really it's that's tricky mm-hmm. um but with free improvisation it's been it's been fine it's mm-hmm. been great mm-hmm. and i have a ensemble that we play glass instruments not not crystal bowls or anything like that actual glass mm-hmm. instruments and um and a bunch of other experiments on some ele- electronics and you know more soundscape type of improv it's oh. been great We've had really a lot of fun. So that's, we play every week that's and great. it's been, it's been really great playing way more than we ever did in person. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> because here we are. You <laughs> here know, we are. So yeah. Funny. <laughs> yeah. So that's been interesting. I mean, it's been, it's been, um, you know, it's been challenging to you and I'm sure like you as a musician, right. You just, there's some things that you just can't do. And I, I have a, a singing group that we, you know, we can't do the harmony, you know, harmonizing that we want to, we want to do we, we've tried a few other programs but um it's just everything's a little bit buggy and there are a couple of other programs that are coming forth i think that will help i mean i think because if this is a new paradigm for the next whoever long however long mm-hmm. i think technology will eventually catch up with um, understanding the needs but for you know for free improv it's been it's been great it's been really fun um I have a supervision group that meets used to meet at my office, which has also since closed um, in Manhattan. And so that group are all former students of mine and all sound practitioners. Some, some sound practitioners who are also clinicians too, as I had mentioned before. And now we get together every week and uh, we play, we talk through things, but we, we exchange ideas and we, we jam. And there's, you know, it gets wonky with, you know, if there's like 12 people trying to make it sound at the same time. But it's remarkably interesting and it really requires a lot of space. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and a lot of listening, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's been it's been really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you if that's oh if that's gosh. been your experience too. Well, but. yeah, in a way, I mean. Um... A couple of different things. I do. Te- I'm still teaching violin lessons over Zoom. That's been really interesting to kind yeah, of play yeah. along, and you can't really help the student tune their instrument, so they're figuring it out on their own. And um, but I did do uh, recently a. What we did is we we did a recording. It wasn't improvisation. It was a a tune that we had already performed together, and we each recorded a video and a wave file and sent it to one person who was able to put it together on video editor and and release it so that was interesting but yeah yeah we're just all yeah, no, learning it, new things and <laughs> oh my god there's a really cool there's a cool app called acapella yeah, which I've some tried friends that of mine have been yeah so i haven't i haven't downloaded it yet but it looks it looks cool. It's just that it's not in real time, but no. you could, right, you, you record your thing and then you send it to your other person and then right. they can overdub, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. And then we did something else with uh, a program called Soundtrap. Hmm. Um, and that was kind of interesting. Um, it's, uh, there's no video component. It's just audio, mm-hmm. but it's fairly immediate in, in the overdubbing part. So you okay. sing or play, uh, you know, play something and then and then it uploads pretty quickly, and then whoever's in that session room can hear it, and then they can overdub their thing. So oh, okay. within a matter of minutes, you mm-hmm. can create a kind of a loop or or a short piece. Mm-hmm. So it's been mm-hmm. interesting. It's it's not it, you know again it's it's nothing's perfect yet. No, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's all experimentation, yeah. really. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> and and actually, some friends of mine um, created something called concerts from cars mm. and they've been <laughs> performing out of their cars all around New York city. Oh, it's that's been cool. really, that's yeah, cool. it's fun. <laughs> and, you know, mostly kind of like pretty raucous, you know, drums and um, horns and stuff like that. And, um, but really sweet. And, um, and you can, you can book them. So like, yeah, please send like, you know, my neighborhood wants this concert. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then they've gotten paid. People are paying them. You know, it's like really cool. There's so many neat ideas out there and, you know, really interesting um, because limitations um, promote creativity. So mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. I hope so a lot of uh, ethnomusicologists and folklorists are, are tracking all of this. So years later, they're looking b- back at all these amazing creative things that have happened absolutely (laughs) absolutely i mean sociologists Mm -hmm. ethnomusicologists and acoustic ecologists are having you know it's (laughs) it's an amazing time right now it really is (laughs) and 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 psychotherapists yeah because what how we're dealing with therapy not seeing our clients in our cozy offices where you can you know really engage you know and and offer someone a tissue (laughs) you know, or, or please lie down on the couch or take a moment. Nothing. It's just, it's very, it's really intense. Um, but at the same time, it's been effective, you know, and everyone's just managing Mm -hmm. the best that they can, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's been a very interesting time. I mean, super, super interesting time. And, uh, I've been wanting to journal about it more and I haven't given myself the time to do it right but I really this conversation is (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, just because it's gonna, it's a blip in time. It's, it's everything's ephemeral, and we, you know, it'll be very easy to kind of go back to what how things were very quickly. And it's amazing how quickly we've adapted mm-hmm. to this new norm, too. That's so true. So as quickly as we have adapted to this, we'll readapt, you know. I mean, it's still surreal, but yeah, you, you have kind of gotten used to. I'm curious, you know, what this might look for you afterwards. I know you have some trainings and events that may happen later this year. Are you are you kind of thinking ahead as, as far as um, what's going to change for you, if you might move things online if they can't be in person? Yeah. Um, I don't know is the, right. is the quest is the answer. Um, we, um, are taught, we did, we have our sound school training through Maha Rose has been, um, obviously it's not going to happen this summer. It was supposed to happen in August. And, um, we, we usually offer a level two retreat. So it's five days and, um, that's not going to happen. So, I don't think we'll do it online. I have a feeling we're just going to pause. Um, and I, and I'll continue doing my clinical work. I'm going to probably be doing more teaching, um, in the fall. And so, um, and everything will, will likely be, you know, online mm-hmm. at the moment, but no workshops right now that right. I can think of except for, Barring the one-off um, sound baths and you know maybe some res- restorative work, I've been thinking about um, doing some um, like just sonic um, or sound walks um, and recording them. And sometimes I've done sound walks where it's a pre-recorded suggested meditation to like here's the map this is where you're going to go put on your headphones to, you know you can just you know upload it to your phone or on a sound cloud or something like that mm-hmm. and go take this take this walk and listen to these things so I've been kind of toying with that idea of, of doing that and you know making that available mm-hmm. and um yeah and I'm I do Facebook. I'm not a Facebook person. I've never really been a Facebook person, but since this happened, I've been doing meditations every Monday through Friday um, as a way for me to ground myself and mm-hmm. be present. So I'm offering it up every every morning at 10, 10 a.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on my Facebook Live page. So people can just, it's you know, free. And it's usually about a 10 to 15 minute meditation with some sound and some some words. And some breathing and some toning, things like that. Um, and that's been, I'll, I'll do that for a little while longer. I've been doing it for almost two months. Well, well, I'm curious, you know, what's the best way? I, I know on one of your websites, I was able to hear some of your glass music and things like that. What's, what's the best way for people to find out um, what's coming up next when you do have events and yeah. to listen to some of your music? Yeah, well, I have two sites, and um, uh, so I'm it's so funny because I'm so, you know promotion is like a little it's <laughs> tricky. I'm not the best. I'm not like an Instagram person so much, <laughs> although I'm trying. Um, so on my Soundwell Center, um, there there are, and I need to update it actually because it's probably like it's probably I've probably done it for the month of May, so I need to update. Sure. Um, and then. To listen to my music, you can go to my like katydown.com and it's a pretty, pretty
perfunctory <laughs> site, <laughs> but it um, you can check out um, some of my original mm-hmm. some of my original music. Um, Newborn Trio is up there, um, which is the glass ensemble that I was talking to you about, and then I have a group called the Ukuleles, which is a ukulele you know, foursome with a tap dancer and mm-hmm. lots of crazy antics and body songs and things like that, which is a whole other, you know, thing, mm-hmm. whole other track. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, and that's just my name. And it's a very, very simple site, um, self-designed. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, there's, there's some sound in there. Um, nothing sound bathy mm-hmm. yet. Um, you know, obviously I'm sure you've been asked, so maybe you have already like, sound baths for that are recorded for people I haven't done that just yet and part of it is because the way that I feel like the sound baths are the most um, effective is because of their ephemeral quality and and because they're it's an immediate response to the here and the now and um and so recording is great, and I will do something. I don't know if I would call it a sound bath, personally. Mm-hmm. I might just mm-hmm. call it, a, you know, a, here's some sound. You know, <laughs> you can you can bathe with it if you like, or you can <laughs> dance with it, or, you know, whatever you want. Do the dishes. Listen. <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, the, the, and I think, I don't know if, you know, I don't, it's just my personal opinion, but, you know, I, I don't record any of my sound baths. Like, it's yeah. just... It's a no-no. Right. And people have asked. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that because it's, first of all, it's, you know, I would need permission from every participant. Mm-hmm. And then it just does something different to the consciousness because if you know you're being recorded or that the event that you are part of is being recorded, your 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 way or your ability to really drop in might right. might be affected. So I wouldn't do that. But, um, but yeah, I've been, I mean, I'm, I will probably do some recording I'm, I went into the studio with a friend of mine who's an engineer last year and we recorded a bunch of really interesting improvisers um, and um, so that's in the can so that will mm-hmm. that will come out um, hopefully this year mm-hmm. and a lot of glass instruments but some bowls too and you know some more sound healing instruments mm-hmm. as well and kind of an amalgam so we'll nice. see but, well we're yeah. Where can we find the the live the is that Maha Rose that's you're doing yeah, the live ones through? So okay. Most yeah, mostly I'm doing them through Maha Rose, although I am doing them again through Jaya Yoga once in a while. Mm-hmm. That's restorative yoga and sound. That's a little bit of a combo platter. Mm-hmm. Um but the strict, you know, straight up sound baths um is through Maha Rose right now. And that's m a h a r o s e dot com, and then you can look. You'll see online sound bath with Katie Down. That's mm. it's okay. just there, mm-hmm. and um, that's pretty much every Sunday okay. from seven to eight thirty. So it's a ninety minute sound meditation. Mm-hmm. It's a suggested donation of twenty to forty dollars, mm-hmm. but or and um, mm-hmm. if you can't afford twenty, you can. Offer whatever it is that you can, mm-hmm. and no one's turned away for lack of funds. So nice. yeah. that is an important factor in in that offering. Um, and it's been really lovely. It's been a really sweet um, a sweet experience. Some people come every week. 
you know, and some not, you know, and it's back and forth. There's a lot of good sound bows out there right now that mm-hmm. are online. So a lot of different offerings. Some are some are free on Instagram and Facebook, right? And right. some are um, some are not free at all. <laughs> you know, it's just. And for me, the um, the reason why I don't do them on Instagram and Facebook right now, uh, other than this, like the 10 minute, 15 minute meditation I offer on daily, which I'm not calling a sound meditation at all. It's it's another kind of thing. But um, is that in in our sound baths through Maha Rose, everyone is present in a room virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, we share a little bit about where we're at, what our intention is. We do some breath work together. We do some toning together. Um, you know, we're really together. The The idea is that it's, um, that there's a communal aspect to it. Right. Um, right. And it's back and forth. So it's not me just broadcasting something. I'm getting a lot from the people who are, who are there. And so it's informing how the sound is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of ways. So that's that's why we do it on through Zoom, and it's through my it's through my therapy site, which is a, is a bit of a more of a firewall. Um, you know, so it's a secure site because I know there's been some crazy shenanigans on Zoom. Right. Um, but um, so ten therapists can't got together, and we we purchased a, a Zoom package that's supposedly. <laughs> more secure okay. that's more HIPAA that's HIPAA compliant yeah. and less prone to um, you know nefarious activity right. so, so far touch wood <laughs> nothing like yeah. that has happened and you know and it's and it, you have to register you have to okay you sure. know and you get your password you can't just I don't like to send out a zoom link then we know exactly yeah. who's there mm-hmm. so if I if 20 more 40 people have signed up and that's who is on the, the Zoom call that I know that we're in good shape. You know, it's like we're it's, we're safe. So, yeah, mm. it's it's a crazy world. Really, right it is. It certainly is interesting. But times. yeah, so yeah, but Maha Rose every pretty much every Sunday night. Okay. I think I took one off, and I might take another off. Mm-hmm. But right now, Sunday nights from seven to eight thirty. How we're rolling? Nice. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for your time today, your reflections, and sharing about your work. It's really been great to talk with you. Great. Love. All right. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast, sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. Keep up to date with what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com. Check things out on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio. And you can listen to all previous podcasts as well as music meditations on the YouTube channel at Sounds Heal Studio. Be well and stay tuned. <laughs>